the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoshio Podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's a couple minutes after 4. You're listening to the Tim DeMoshio and WFIL, Monday the 27th. Of January 2020, forecast calling for a kind of cloudy rest of the afternoon. High 46, clear night, low down to 30. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow, high 45. Pro Bowl yesterday, AFC over the NFC, 38-33. Fletcher Cox of the Eagles had a 61-yard interception, returned for a touchdown. Sixers are home tomorrow night against Golden State at 7. Flyers are off till Friday night when they're at Pittsburgh. Much uh, more important than that. And in the news, of course, Kobe Bryant passing away in a helicopter crash yesterday. His daughter, Gianna, only 13 years old, and a number of other passengers as well. Perishing in that crash, Bryant had a long list of accolades, of course. Went to Lower Marion High School, won five championships with the Lakers. A couple of Olympic gold medals, and not just the medals themselves, but his leadership role on those teams. And uh, was an MVP in the NBA 2008. A couple of finals MVPs. One scored 81 points in a game. It's the second most ever. Wilt Chamberlain's 100, the only game individually to top that. And uh, for a time, Kobe was the youngest player ever to enter the NBA, 18 years old, back in 1996. A couple others have done the same since then, slightly younger by mere weeks. Uh, But in any case, and just at 41 years old, passing away. Something that you may uh, hear, of course, if you scan the radio dial or online or wherever you go, a lot of folks are talking about this, uh, and and with good reason. There are different ways you can uh, think about it. Of course, uh, being Philadelphia, based uh, here for a part of his lifetime, traveled the world, of course, uh, not just exclusively here, but Philadelphia roots from a basketball fan standpoint, and certainly the whole idea of uh, your, your life coming to a close, and certainly a lot sooner than one would have expected. We all know that that's going to happen one day, but at 41, and for someone who was just here, I think is another one of those situations, if you have ever uh, been in a situation where you were just talking with someone and then they passed away the next day or something, I just saw them. That especially, I think, holds true in Philadelphia, especially since he was in town Saturday night when the Lakers were in with LeBron James, uh, LeBron passing Kobe for third place all time, most points scored in NBA history. So Kobe goes from third to fourth, congratulates uh, LeBron and all that mutual respect stuff of some of the greatest players ever to play the game. So all that just happening in Philadelphia Saturday night, I guess less than two, uh, less than two days ago. So it's, it's all very fresh for folks. This hour, we have a couple of guests that are kind of break it down in two different directions. And you're welcome to call in. If we have a chance in between our conversations, our toll free number is 800-560-WFIL. I throw that out there simply because you may be listening and say, you know what, when I was a kid, we went to school together. You may have a little story you want to share. That's fine. We'll try to work those in. But I wanted to take today to uh, talk with two people I respect a lot to tackle a couple of sides of of Kobe Bryant. One, 
Uh, on the basketball side, for sure, Marcus Hayes, who has written for the Philadelphia Inquirer for a long time, uh, has covered Kobe for many years. We're going to talk with him on the basketball side of things. And Kevin Harvey, who is the 76ers chaplain, is going to join us. And he knows uh, basketball in a lot of ways. He was a player himself in college, I believe, and also uh, has spent a lot of years you know, around the game. And he also is the area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. So he's big into sports, too. Um, and that matters, but he also brings that chaplaincy aspect to it and certainly uh, how these things play out spiritually, not just in terms of um, what happened yesterday in the crash of the helicopter, but in each of our lives to really step back and say, so if my life ended today on the ride home from work, do I know what would happen to me? You know, we, we don't get overly serious on this program, but I think it's worth the reminder to say, you know what, there's no shame in really thinking through that question I would I would just throw this out to you. Um, I think the I, I like to suggest that the Christian life is a whole lot more than what happens when I die. That God's love for you and and how that affects things you know intersects with your life today and tomorrow and every day and month and year that God gives you. So it's not something it's not like insurance for down the road. Um, but it does matter. You know, these things do matter because that day comes for everybody. So anyway, we'll talk with uh, Kevin Harvey about that and be encouraged because beyond Kobe, uh, the person who we're talking about, obviously, Kobe Bryant, these things do matter. And I would suggest, and you've heard me say this on the program, that whole John three sixteen verse, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So whether your name's Kobe Bryant or whether you're uh, his daughter, whether you're the pilot on that helicopter, whether you're a school teacher or uh, you know someone who works for a business or you're a homemaker or whatever it might be, doesn't matter. You're made in God's image. You have value. And that promise of John 3.16 is there for you. So uh, consider those things as we have our conversations this hour. Again, Kevin's going to join us, Kevin Harvey, the Sixers chaplain, a little bit later on. Uh, but first, we want to tackle and jump right in. Uh, to our conversation on the basketball side of things as well with Marcus Hayes, who's from the Philadelphia Inquirer. And uh, we're glad you've taken time to join us today. Ke uh, uh, Marcus, how you doing, my friend? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, quite a thing. You have an article today, both in the printed work, the, you know, the, the printed paper, Pure Joy, Watching His Path to Greatness and Online, uh, the, you know, uh, Chronicling Kobe, both the Philly treasure and villain, and it was an experience of a lifetime, of course, talking about Kobe Bryant's passing yesterday. Man, where where were you when you heard the news? You know, Tim, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. I was getting ready to coach my tenth grade, my ten year old daughter's fifth grade travel team basketball game, and of wow. course, Kobe was on his way to coach his thirteen year old travel basketball game. Crazy, just crazy. My brother texted me like three forty three, and I had not heard myself, and then. Just in, in, especially because of the timing, obviously, I, I had read Kobe's tweet the night before congratulating LeBron James becoming the third, you know, all-time leading scorer right here in Philadelphia Saturday night, and then the next morning, you know, he's gone. Something it's really. Yeah, something. I was at that game. I, I was at that game, and you know, I I was in front of LeBron after he broke the record, and you know, it was just a strange in the Lakers locker room. The presence of Kobe in Philly, in the Laker locker room, you know, visitors locker room where Kobe had been so many times, you know, including the, you know, the uh, 2001 finals where he told, 
you know, a, a bystander between games uh, three and four after game three and before game four. Yeah. You know, we're going to cut your hearts out, That's right. which made him a Philly villain for years, but that was classic Kobe. You know, he was, if you were on his team, you were on his team. If you weren't, you weren't. But none of it was malicious. You know, there was no hatred from Kobe toward Philadelphia or the Sixers. There was uh, just, you know, a competitive desire to, to win and be great. That's the thing about Kobe. He, his main objective in his life was to be great at what he was doing. He was focused and driven, and that's admirable. He had his flaws. He had his warts. He, you know, he did things and said things in his life that he regretted, and as we have all done things and done things and said things we regret. But even those missteps, you know, those issues, those incidents, he grew from. He became a better person because of them. And he wasn't perfect when he died, but he was striving toward perfection in every facet of his life, his entire life. Marcus Hayes, our guest with the Philadelphia Inquirer, wrote a, a column in uh, online and in, in print today that you can check out. Uh, you mentioned the 2001 NBA Finals. I remember watching Game 1 at my friend's house. The Sixers had won that first game, and I remember saying kind of to the television, you know, put away those brooms, you're not going to need them. And then, of course, the Lakers <laughs> went on to sweep the next four games. So <laughs> they won the, you know, the Sixers got their one game and lose 4-1. to one. And that cut your hearts out comment, obviously part of what, what Kobe was about. You talk about in your column Kobe's relationship with the greater Philadelphia region and the difference between the suburbs and the city, uh, so to speak. Share about that, if you would, for a second. Again, there's no real animosity from Kobe toward Philadelphia. The animosity was more Philadelphia thinking Kobe didn't appreciate it enough, which is ironic because Kobe took East Coast basketball to Los Angeles. He played a very physical uh, he was an elegant player who made things look very easy, but he was a very physical player. Hmm. He was a very physical player in his international play. So he embraced the Philadelphia ethic, as did his dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant. So there there was much of Philly in Kobe, but not enough for Philadelphia sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was very, very loyal to Lower Marion, the high school he went to, and the place where he believes he became a man. You know, he, he has said about Laura Marion, that was my university because he was the first guard to jump from uh, high school to the pros and uh, went 13th overall because of it. And what are those, uh, what are those general managers thinking today? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. said, the relationship with Kobe, people say it's complicated and complex. It's not. Kobe wanted to be in Los Angeles. He wanted to be Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles. He wanted to be the next Michael in Los Angeles. That is not the slight Philly. That's just a personal preference. And Kobe wasn't a resident, a citizen of Lower Marion or Philadelphia or even Los Angeles. Kobe was a, a citizen of the world. Kobe was Kobe went through his pre-adolescence and early adolescence in Italy. His life experience is different from most kids. He was bilingual by the time he was seven. And he was a great soccer player in Italy. So the template for Kobe Bryant is unique. He's not your normal... Philly basketball player, which is hard for some Philadelphians to understand, you know, the, the legacy of Philadelphia basketball with Wilt Chamberlain and Richie Wallace and Rip Hamilton in the suburbs and the Morris, Marcus and Marquise Morris at this point, the legacy of the, the, the reputation and the, the aura of Philadelphia basketball is so parochial. Kobe was more than that. And that's just who he was. He was authentically more than that, not just Philadelphian. And I think that frustrated Philadelphians. In terms of wanting to kind of have them to all ourselves, have them to ourselves, so to speak. 
If well, we, and, and have him pay homage to Philadelphia, yeah. which he did in his game, but not in his life. You know, he, he, Kobe Bryant lived in the perfect city for Kobe Bryant, uh, a multinational, international, big-shouldered city where he could star and hide, where he could pursue other interests and focus on basketball. Yeah. It, it was the perfect place for him. Kobe was probably too big for Philadelphia. He probably would have outshined everything Philadelphian, but he understood where he needed to be, and that's why he wanted to be there. And I, he understood that as a 17-year-old. That's It's crazy, that maturity level. For those just tuning in to Tim DiMaggio on WFIL, Marcus Hayes with the Philadelphia Inquirer, kind enough to chat with us for a few minutes. You can catch both online, chronicling Kobe, both the Philly treasure and villain, was an experience of a lifetime, and in print, pure joy watching his path to greatness. Talk for a second, too, because you mentioned 17 years old. Was that the first time you got to catch him, or how old was Kobe when you first saw him in person? <laughs> yeah, he was a high school senior, and I think they'd lost in the state tournament the year before, and he was on this mission to carry Laura Marion to the state title and on the way destroy everyone in, in his path. So the first time I saw Kobe Bryant, my former colleague John Smallwood convinced me on a, a terribly cold winter night, I think it was a December night as well, to go to Drexel and watch Kobe play this kid, Donnie Carr, from Roman Catholic. And, you know, Roman Catholic with its uh, illustrious alumni like Rasheed and Will Chamberlain and right. all those great players. Right. I was like, you know, I don't. it's my day off. I don't really want to go. He says, no, you got to come see this kid. This kid is different. <laughs> I said, okay. And it was really like watching an artist work. He was by far the most polished high school player I'd ever seen. People talk about LeBron James in high school or Carmelo Anthony in high school or even Lou Alcindor, who I never saw play in high school. Kobe is by far the most polished perimeter player I ever saw play in high school, and it's not close. It's not remotely close. He was so good at so many things and understood the game of basketball, understood his opponents, understood spacing. He understood getting shots off. He understood drawing fouls. It was like watching. It was like watching ballet, but the kid was seventeen, you know, yeah. and he wasn't fully mature yet. His body wasn't done growing. He wasn't. He hadn't grown into his man muscles. And just watching that, I, I, I just was uh, astounded at how how good he was, and incredibly intrigued as to how good he would be one day. And it was an absolute treat to watch. I, I hated the idea of going. I reluctantly watched the went to the game and wasn't really a very good uh, very very good company during the game, but in the second half I was just like wow this is uh, I've never seen anything like this before and when I left I was delighted that I went and now of course you know I can tell my kids I saw Kobe do things in high school that I don't know that any of the current Sixers at that point when uh, John Lucas was coaching them I'm not sure any of them could do some of the things Kobe did that night at Drexel against Roman Catholic. Marcus Hayes is our guest, columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, has a couple articles out uh, both online and in print, uh, chronicling Kobe, both a Philly treasure and villain, was an experience of lifetime, the online version, check it out uh, on their site. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, we'll continue our chat with Marcus, also Kevin Harvey, the Sixers chaplain, going to join in and weigh in a little later on in the hour in uh, light of Kobe Bryant's passing yesterday, and of course there were others on that helicopter who died as well, and in general, just stepping back from it, of course, uh, just to be supportive in prayer from afar. You don't have to know anybody to be able to pray for the situation and for the families that are uh, involved in the lives that have been touched by this. Back in a second with more, it's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL 
and at WFIL.com. It's 420 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app. Thank you so much for listening in today. Don't forget you can grab the podcast of this and any program at WFIL.com. In a little bit, we'll have Kevin Harvey, Sixers chaplain, joining us in a little bit. But uh, uh, Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer currently uh, chat with him about his article out this morning, chronicling Kobe, both a Philadelphia, uh, Philly treasure and villain, was an experience of a lifetime. One of the things you touched on in your column, and we're also just starting to talk about a moment ago, is Kobe's global reach, including uh, the time with the 2008 Redeem team in China and with the Olympics and everything. Uh, talk about that a little bit, the appreciation of, because that greatness, you know, he jumps from high school to, to at the time, the youngest player ever to enter the NBA, which has been surpassed a couple of times since then, barely. But um, to jump right into the NBA at age 18, back in, I guess it was 96, and then continuing on that, the, the reach in China, and even the other post-basketball work he was already doing and won a, an Oscar for. The other, Academy Award. Academy yeah. Award, yeah. So, right. Yeah, what a renaissance, man. And Kobe, by the time he was 20, 21, was already going to China. He was kind of the tip of the spear. David Stern used him as a spearhead for the NBA, and Nike used him as a spearhead into China. So Kobe is worshipped in China the way that Arnold Palmer or Tiger are worshipped around the world. At one point, Kobe's jersey was outselling Yao Ming's jersey because he had spent a decade, by the time he got to Beijing, he spent a decade representing the NBA in China off and on. He went back this past October. It's a lucrative relationship, obviously. It's a huge market, and Nike's big there. But it's also an important relationship and was an important relationship to Kobe. He has a foundation set up in China to help people in America understand China and vice versa. The scope, the breadth of, of what Kobe touched, was interested in, could master, was amazing. And every account depicts him as being a doting husband and a totally committed father. I mean, the reason he flew, the reason he had a helicopter was so he could spend more time with his daughters. That was it. He just wanted to spend more time with his kids. He had things to do and places to be, and the helicopter cut down his commute from an hour and a half through L.A. to 15 minutes. So, hmm. yeah, it's the, the relationship with Kobe and, to the Chinese and internationally it, in 2008, I was fortunate enough to cover those Olympics and cover the Redeem team being formed and Mike Krzyzewski and uh, Jerry Colangelo re- reviving USA basketball. I was fortunate enough to go to Chicago to, to the uh, pre-Olympic press availability where you had those guys say, okay, this is what we need. But what they needed more than anything else, they needed Kobe Bryant to buy in. And people forget that that team didn't feature Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. It featured Carmelo Anthony. They believed that the mid-range game or the shorter three-point line was going to be what carried them. And they were right. Kobe bought into it, which meant LeBron bought into it. And Kobe was showing up at 5 a.m. for uh, workouts before practice. And then LeBron started showing up at 5 a.m. Kobe was diving for loose balls. Then everybody was diving for loose balls. Kobe plowed over Pau Gasol in one of the preliminary round games. His teammate. Pau Gasol was his teammate. <laughs> right. He was playing for Spain, but he was his teammate for the Lakers. And that set the tone for, the, for how the U.S. was going to play basketball. He was an absolute buy-in leader in 2008, and the Chinese worshipped him already. And he was, the, with Michael Phelps winning eight gold medals, the same bolt setting records on the track, this was Kobe's Olympics as far as the Chinese were concerned. Internationally, especially back in the United States, 
It was the Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt show. But in China, Kobe was Michael Jackson. Marcus Hayes, our guest. You can catch the column that we're chatting about, uh, both in print, pure, uh, pure Joy, Watching His Path to Greatness, also online. Chronicling Kobe, both a Philly treasure and villain, was an experience of a lifetime. Uh, and just one last question for you, Marcus. You kind of are touching on it there, the 5 a.m. stuff. The the greatness, you know, sometimes you're looking at an athlete or anybody in at the craft they do. For you, for the writing you've done for many years, some of it comes perhaps as a natural gift. Some of it, though, comes through pure hard work and maybe outworking everybody else, or at least even without comparing yourself to somebody else, just working extra. What did you? What? How would you sum Kobe Bryant up in terms of why? You know, what portion of his greatness was perhaps natural gift, and how much he really just worked at his craft. There were better athletes in the NBA when Kobe was in the NBA. Jordan's a better athlete. LeBron's a better athlete. Nobody worked harder than Kobe Bryant. I believe he got more out of what God gave him than any athlete I've ever covered. Hmm. He, was, he was just absolutely tireless. And this is not to slight him. This is not to you know diminish what Michael Jordan or LeBron James accomplished. Or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was a wonderful worker. This is only to Kobe was almost to his own detriment a workaholic, just completely obsessed with mastering his craft, both mentally and physically and intellectually. Hmm. There was nothing he wouldn't try to get better. There was no work he wouldn't do to get better, and that's why he became Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant could have been a pretty good player. He could have been a, an All Star. He could have been a Hall of Fame player because of his talent. He could have won a couple of championships, maybe maybe four, maybe three. Who knows? But Kobe Bryant was Kobe Bryant because Kobe Bryant refused to be outworked. And let's understand something. There was no desperation to Kobe Bryant's life. Kobe Bryant was an excellent basketball player and a tireless worker because he wanted to be that. It's really hard to, it's hard to overstate how driven he was compared to what he needed to be. Hmm. So to answer your question, he was a very, very good athlete, a talented guy. He would have been a champion. But he was Kobe Bryant because he would not stop working. And you mentioned championships, five of them. Does Kobe win five championships in other markets? Or is, how much does Shaquille come in and the team? And what, what kind of leader was he in that regard? Yeah, he wins, he wins five championships no matter where he is. I mean, it doesn't really, as, as we've seen, you know, Miami can attract players, Boston attracted players. Great players want to play with other great players and win championships. And, and Kobe, was, Kobe was about that. Kobe, Kobe was the kind of guy who players wanted to play with, who players wanted to win with. I don't think the market dictated his success. His drive and his excellence dictated his success. Yeah. Marcus, it's a pleasure talking to you, even under such a obviously heartbreaking circumstance, and especially at age 41. I, I think that's going to take a while for people to get their minds around that 41. I mean, obviously, people pass at some point, but 41 is so young uh, for Kobe to have, to have died. And uh, and the tragedy, too, of course, his daughter being part of that, um, you know, makes you want to, of course, make sure you're telling your loved ones you love them and make sure you appreciate each day, too. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you again for taking time. Greetings to your family, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again sometime. Thank you, Tim. All right. Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Pure joy watching his path to greatness in print. Online, it's uh, chronicling Kobe, both the Philadelphia treasure and villain, was an experience of a lifetime. Marcus Hayes, the writer of that column today, can check it out. 
in either or both places. We'll have a quick break and come back with Kevin Harvey, continue our little reflective uh, show on Kobe Bryant has passed away yesterday in a helicopter crash along with his daughter and a handful of others. Uh, Kevin is the Sixers chaplain, also area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. We'll chat with him if we have time near the end of the program. If you want to call in real briefly or if you want to send a quick text in too, just to chime in if you have a quick memory or thought. Um, on the whole thing, you're welcome to do so. 800-560-WFIL is the number, or you can text in at 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Back with more in just a moment in WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 4.30 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. I want to give you a quick heads up before we continue the program here. Very excited that over the weekend, uh, the goal in our partnership with Preborn was hit. We were looking uh, to provide 400 ultrasounds over the course of this year to young women and, and girls who are uh, you know, pregnant and considering what to do. And the idea of a, a, an, an ultrasound, just the opportunity to see your baby, hear the heartbeat, very often helps a woman just say, you know what, I'm going to keep this child. And so it's a gentle but powerful way to, of doing that. Uh, no yelling, no screaming, no whatever, arguing. Just take a look. Listen. So uh, Preborn does that. We've worked with them in the past. We're very glad to have had the privilege of doing that. Um, January Sanctity of Human Life Month, which is why we're... Uh, continuing that also as part of that natural lineup thing. And uh, if you would like to still help out, there's still time uh, the rest of this week. So while we're, we're very grateful. So number one, we're very thankful uh, for many folks who have helped out. And then, it, but to let you know, if you'd meant to, it's still okay. There's still time. Uh, the two number, the number is 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, which is 2229. Or the uh, preborn man are still on our website at WFIL.com. So it's $28 for one. If you want to do a flat donation, that's great. If you want to do a certain number, like five for $140, whatever, that's great too. A lot of folks did something like that. But on any level, a gentle uh, uh, but powerful way and a beautiful way, I think, of affirming life. Um, so there you go. So thank you to everybody who's helped out. We're very, very grateful to God for making it all come together. And uh, Lord willing, it's just one aspect of being pro-life. Hopefully our lives are that way too. Forecast calling for a kind of cloudy rest of the afternoon, then down to 30 with clear skies tonight. Tomorrow, mix of clouds and sun, high 45. Pro Bowl yesterday, AFC over the NFC. Fletcher Cox of the Eagles had a 61-yard interception return for a touchdown. Sixers are home tomorrow night against Golden State at 7, and the Flyers are off till Friday night when they're at Pittsburgh. Of course, much bigger than all those things uh, put together, the news that Kobe Bryant's passing in a helicopter crash yesterday, his daughter Gianna, only 13 years old, and a number of other passengers all perishing in that crash. A lot of uh, things you can say about Kobe Bryant. Of course, he's a local guy in the sense he went to Lower Marion High School. He won five championships with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, two Olympic gold medals, was the MVP in 2008. A lot of other accolades. Just 41 years old. Um, you know, quite a thing uh, to, to see that happen. And uh, we had Marcus Hayes of the Inquirer on who wrote about that today. And a lot of other folks have done the same. But a lot of good insight from Marcus on Kobe, especially the basketball player and Wanted to bring in, um, at this time, Kevin Harvey, who uh, can add some insight into this. Hello, Kevin. Good, Tim. Doing, doing well. Yeah, Kevin, uh, the 76ers chaplain, also the area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. And uh, obviously yesterday's news, a, a huge shock uh, about Kobe Bryant passing. And uh, where were you when, when you heard the news? You know, I, I was at home and um, 
uh, came down, looked at my phone, and in the afternoon, and there's probably like five, a couple voicemails and about five, six texts. So um, yeah, it was obviously a shocker. There's you know there's no way to prepare for for things like this, but you know I I just um, these kind of situations in life for me it it makes me very introspective and self-reflective, and I I just think about once somebody is is gone from this earth, there's really nothing we can do there. But if we have the gift of life, I mean, it, it makes me think about you know am I doing all I can to live for Christ, to honor God in my life, because life is precious, it's short, you know, none of us know if today or tomorrow is going to be our last day. So, yeah, as hard as it was, and, it, and it's very hard, um, I'm hoping God brings good out of it in, in the sense that people really think about their own lives and the brevity of it and uh, get serious with the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah, did you uh, uh, have much of an opportunity to meet or get to know Kobe over the years? You know, I just had a couple interactions with him after games, yeah. um, probably six, seven years ago. So my, on a game night, usually I do a, I do a pregame chapel with both teams about an hour before the game, and I'm usually in both locker rooms then. And then after the games, I usually try to get in both locker rooms. So a couple interactions with him. You know, I can't say I knew him well at all, obviously. But I would say the thing I guess I appreciated about him as a, a guy that loves sports myself right. is the, the whole thing with him that, you know, his Mamba mentality and just being all in in what he does and wanting to do it with excellence. I think if we as people or athletes, or even if you're not athlete, it, it, that's really the way God wants us to live our faith life, like to be all in, you know, living for him all out. So, I mean, for me, as you know, we're going to probably do a, this week a, a team um, a team Bible study on an off day with our team, and I think I'm going to talk about that. Just um, you know, as much as you want to give all in to your occupation, whatever that might be, really what God is God is asking us to be, you know, all in with Him every day. So hmm. I guess you know, if I'm issuing myself a challenge, it's you know, <laughs> in my walk with Jesus, do I have that that mentality where I'm really all in? following him with all my heart. So, Yeah. Kevin Harvey's our guest. He's the 76ers chaplain, also area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. Sure. You can find out more about that at southjerseyfca.org. And uh, you, you mentioned it, interestingly enough, um, you know, on the, on the website talks about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes engages coaches and athletes to grow in their faith and sport. So, it, it, you know, it's their faith first, I suppose, and then it, it applies to everything, including sports, which is why you're there together. And kind of backing up what you just said there about appreciating that aspect of Kobe's all in Mamba. I'm, you know, whatever I want to do, I want to go for it a hundred percent and more if that's mathematically possible. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, and that, right. That's called, that's Colossians three, like whatever we're supposed to be, you know, whatever God puts our life to, we're called to be all in on that and as working for him and not for people. But so right. that's always our heart check, right? Like it's always, okay, Lord, am I doing this just to, impress people or please people, or am I doing it really to bring glory and honor to you? And mm. I mean, so that's uh, some of the things I think I just think about whenever there's sudden loss that you're just thinking, okay, Lord, you still have me here today and help me to fulfill the purpose on this earth that I have to honor you. So, yeah. 
You know, another verse that jumps to mind, uh, Psalm 90, verse 12, certainly teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, um, I want to say it's Pastor Herb Lusk, uh, the, the second of senior senior pastor of Greater Exodus Baptist in or North Broad in Philly, um, who played some ball himself with the Eagles uh, and a number of other ministries. Um, he said to me, I think it was one time, he said something about the, the idea of being old and young is actually relative. If you think of it in terms of when you actually pass away, you could be 50 and wind up living to 100. And so at 50, you're not old, considering your mm-hmm. eventual passing date. By contrast, you could be five. And if you wind up passing away when you're six or seven, you're old at five. Like the, bringing home that point of what you just said, you really don't know when. So don't assume just because you're chronologically younger compared to someone who's chronologically older, that doesn't really mean anything in terms of, you know, being ready when that day comes. Yeah. And, and, and within the FCA framework, and even with all the young athletes we have with, you know, in the NBA, I mean, you're, you're really, I guess you're really trying to sow into them that kind of perspective. Like you, you don't know. So are you giving your all, not just in your sport, but what is your motivation for all the preparation and all the things that go into your sport? And then beyond the court or the field or whatever it would be, like, are you living all in for Christ every day? So when you talk about God's Word and you talk about, you know, that God does somehow, some way bring all things together for good for those who love Him or are called according to His purpose, you really, really lean in on that, Lord, somehow, some way, point people to yourself. As people are thinking about their own mortality today, like, there's no doubt, not only was it Kobe, but his young daughter and then seven others. And these moments really make people reflect on their own mortality. And I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, you know, touch people now, like draw them to yourself, Lord, because um, that's really what it's all about is just is following him and, um, you know, living out your purpose that he's called you to on this earth. So. Yeah. Kevin Harvey, the Sixers chaplain, joining us, also area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thank you for tuning in. We'll have the podcast of our program up a little bit after 5 o'clock. In the meantime, quick break. We'll come back and continue our chat with Kevin uh, Harvey of the Sixers on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 443, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. Kevin Harvey, uh, our guest for a few moments. He's the Sixers chaplain, also area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. And I spoke with Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who wrote a column today referencing, among other things, how Kobe teased LaSalle, if you will, about possibly playing college ball there. And, of course, he wound up going straight from Lower Marion right to the NBA. You yourself played some basketball at LaSalle, right? I did. Yep, way back in the day. Yeah. and But then it was part of I'm trying to remember, uh, was there an injury or something, part of your testimony that kind of came through playing ball there, or were you a believer heading into LaSalle already? No, you know, I, I um, started my freshman year in early 80s, was really... I, I guess thinking I was going to be the starting point guard my freshman year and got my hopes up and, and had an injury to my ankle, which took me out most of the year. But I think in that process, as I was thinking about priorities and, you know, at this point, I would say becoming a great basketball player was, was my God at that point. I was not a believer. And because of that injury, it really made me think about life and start questioning, you know, is God real? And by the end of that second semester, my freshman year, I, I just got on my knees, surrendered my life to Christ, 
ask God to change my heart, and he, he certainly did. I'm glad he's, you know, didn't give up on me, because he could have easily thrown in the towel. I know the only time I think I mentioned God was in a profane way, hmm. especially when I was competing, and yet he showed me so much mercy and, and rescued me and changed my life, and I'm just eternally grateful. And again, I think that's the motivation why, for believers out there that are listening, you know, just being reflective of your life and and I, I do this all the time, just kind of giving myself self-inventory. And Lord, am I, am I giving my whole heart to you? Um, am I pursuing you first and, and foremost in my life? And I guess that would be the message today for people that love Jesus and have been changed by Him is, you know, am I, am I all in? Am I all in? Do I have that mentality? As it relates to, you know, NBA players now and everybody's hurting and everybody's grieving, again, I think I think after just listening to players this week and letting people just kind of, you know, unburden their hearts. I'm hoping we can just keep pointing them to Christ and then challenge, you know, if they don't know the Lord, just challenging them. You know, listen, life is short. This can happen to anybody, and none of us know the time or the hour of our, the end of our day here. And are you right with God? Have you, have you given your life to Christ? So yeah. I'm praying that God uses these, these very challenging, horrific circumstances to to point people to himself. Well, and especially with the, the, I think it's driven home even that much more considering that Kobe, he was here in Philadelphia Saturday night, right? He was part of the, part of the whole thing with LeBron James passing him on the all-time scoring list. And uh, I remember actually Saturday night, I was winding down, I was scrolling through and I saw Kobe's tweet congratulating LeBron on passing him on the list and moving to three and uh, Kobe down to four. And then the next day he's gone, like at age 41. That whole thing, driving home, like what you just said, uh, so real. And 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 you're and just again for those just tuning in, Kevin Harvey's our guest. He's the Sixers chaplain, also area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, uh, Kobe specifically. One of the things again, talking with Marcus Hayes from the Enquirer, 2001, obviously a big year where you you got overlap a little bit with with Kobe in the sense that that's the year he you know he he made this famous quote about ripping the hearts out of the, the fans. You know, like Philadelphia, we're going to win the championship, which they did four games to one. But that was the same year you were the, you became the chaplain, right? In 2001 for the Sixers? You've been doing it for a long time. Now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, the, yeah, the team went to the finals, and then I was asked to serve that, that fall. So that was my first year. So, yeah. yep, currently in my 19th year. It's been pretty rewarding year so far. I think there's God is stirring up some guys. I think we probably had out of, out of our 15, 16 players on the roster, we probably had at least 10 come mm. to chapel through, like, through this year, pregame chapel. And, and we usually get three or four coaches every chapel. So there's there's definitely something stirring in the hearts. Uh, some some guys have a relationship with Christ. Some guys, I think, are seeking. But yeah. it's, um, yeah. And you, you hate to see these kind of things motivate people to, to get right with God. Because, listen, we continue to talk about eternity is right around the corner. We don't know our last breath. And it's so critically important to the people ask Christ to forgive them of their sins and start that journey as a, as a new new creation. And it doesn't matter if you're an NBA player or what your status is in life. I mean, God loves us all the same. He created us for his purposes. And, you know, and Jesus was that bridge, man. Without without Christ, I mean, life is just empty. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how many championships you win and all that stuff, but you, you need to get right with God. So, yeah. Kevin Harvey, our guest, the chaplain for the 76ers, also area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. We'll take a quick break, wrap up our chat with him, and have some closing thoughts as well. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app.
Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 451, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Uh, Kevin Harvey, the 76ers chaplain and also area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey, our guest, and a little earlier just you know, mentioning how some of the players that you are helping, you know, on the 76ers attend chapel, you know, who, some of them are believers, some are seekers, uh, kind of reminds me of really this station and this show. Radio is a private medium, so anybody could be listening, guessing that the audience that we have listening are primarily Christians, but not everybody. And uh, in general, just the idea that it's really important to know what's going to happen when you die, it really is important. And and at a time like this, when people are thinking about Kobe Bryant and his his fam- his daughter and the others on board who passed away yesterday in a helicopter crash, to, to not let this time pass by and let it, quote unquote, wear off a bit, but to really give serious thought. What would happen if you were in an accident on the ride home tonight? You know, where would you go? And just to give thought to these things. Yeah. And, and for people that, that are, you know, that are on that, the precipice of making that decision, the gospel is clear. I mean, it's God loves us. He created us. You know, it's our own sin that separates us from Him. Jesus really was the one that rescued us. His, his perfect life, He was the only one that was perfect, who went through this life without sin. He died a gruesome death on the cross, and He, was, he you know, rose from the dead. And whoever puts their faith and trust in, in that finished work of the cross, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that they'll be saved. Like, we just have to believe and trust God's faithfulness and what he did for us, that he's redeemed us. And I can just, you know, as you can attest, my life went from completely a self-centered life to when I embraced Christ as my Savior, I completely changed. I mean, everything about me changed, and that is what happens when the Holy Spirit resides in a person and takes root. And it just, you know, there's nothing like walking with the Lord. So it's such a privilege as a believer down here on this earth to just be giving people hope. And this is definitely a day and a time in, in human history that, you know, we need to be proclaiming uh, the goodness of God and the hope we have in Christ, and just encouraging people that if they're believers, to get, you know, to get serious with Him. If they're not, that can be a prayer away as well. But if, you know, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, to ask Him in, there's an assurance of of, of heaven. You know, First John 5, 12 and 13 talk about if you know the Son, you have the Son, you have eternal life. But if you don't have the Son, if you don't have Christ, you don't have eternal life. And um, it's just, you know, it's so critical that as believers we continue to share the love of God with people. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Well said, and and uh, it's, it's a great reminder for all of us. Um, and as we close, take a second, if you would, just to let people know the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey, a little bit about it, and also how people can pray for you, because I'm guessing on both fronts, both in your team time with the Sixers and in the uh, FCA work you do, there's a, there's a, you know, a lot going on right now, especially in light of yesterday's news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I served kind of the bottom 10 counties of South Jersey, but, you know, we are obviously a, uh, we're the largest sports ministry in the world. We're 92 countries, and we're the largest campus ministry in the United States, and here in the tri-state area, people can find us on the web, and we try to get the gospel into junior high, high school colleges. We work a lot with coaches. Um, I do a lot of coaches' huddles on Saturday mornings. Uh, we do a lot of outreach events using sport, camps in the summer, 
Um, you know, the end goal is to present Christ to people. Our target audience is coaches and athletes, but we far exceed just people that are athletic. When we do a um, outreach in a community, I mean, a lot of people come to some of those, and you know, we just proclaim Christ. Like it's that's there's nothing more important that we can do in life is to is to share the good news, the greatest story ever told, and Jesus coming to this earth and, and giving us hope and giving us salvation. So it's a privilege to be a part of FCA, and we are praying that um, God sends parents that want to see their kids have FCA in the school. We are a faith-funded ministry, so we are we only exist because people support us. Um, it's a it's a outreach to coaches, and it, we really talk about we minister to and through the coach because coaches are so impactful in kids' lives at every level, and obviously we minister to from junior high all the way up to the professional ranks. So an amazing uh, thing to be a part of, just very privileged, and honestly, it, it wouldn't have happened in my life unless God, by His grace, reached in, down into my heart and changed my life. I would not be a, a part of this, um, but God, you know, and God God has such special plans for everyone that He creates, and, you know, that first starting point is just asking God to reveal Himself to you, to accept Christ as your Savior, and know that he's forgiven you of all the stuff you've done and start that new journey uh, with him. So um, that's what, that's FCA in a nutshell. That's great. Kevin, it's great. It's great connecting with you again and hearing your voice on these things and your insight and and wisdom. So uh, thank you for carving time out of your busy day to do that. And uh, I I really appreciate you, brother. Yeah. We'll look forward to catching up with you again. Okay, Tim. God bless. Thank you. All right, that's Kevin Harvey. Bye-bye. Kevin Harvey, Sixers chaplain and area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in South Jersey. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation with Kevin. Also, Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer as we're trying to, I guess, appropriately address the passing of of Kobe Bryant yesterday. Of course, a lot of folks have their different stories. Uh, Danny, you're not a huge sports fan per se, but you were mentioning to me, you know, you you know who Kobe Bryant is. You're aware. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I at least know who Kobe Bryant is. Yeah. He played for the Lakers, number 24. Yeah. And he was number eight for a while, too. Yeah, from Lower Marion. There's little things that I know about him, but, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Such a tragedy. At age 41, too, and to be a husband and a dad and all that. So uh, keep his family in your prayers. And also, obviously, it's an application to, to, as Psalm 90, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, so that we... Uh, invest our days and our blessing as opposed to spending our days, perhaps. So uh, if you want to grab the podcast of this program, you're welcome to do so. In a little while, it'll be up on WFIL.com. There are a lot of other programs you're welcome to help out uh, yourself with, both this show and the other ministries that you hear on WFIL. In the meantime, we'll uh, wrap things up. And um, if you didn't uh, find out here, just tell just now, we actually hit our goal with Preborn over the weekend. Uh, so congratulations to everyone who helped out and thanks to everyone who helped out. We're excited about that. We'll share a little bit more about that in the next day or two. In the meantime, Jim Axum, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.